Hello, the internet, and welcome to Season 108, Episode 5 of Dirt Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness and say officially, off the top, fuck the Koch brothers and fuck, fuck Fox News. Fuck it's Friday, November 15th, 2019. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. Back here on the show, we gonna take it nice and slow, and I'm here to let you know how the Trump impeachment go. Ooh. I was looking for the Crocs, fuck Koch brothers and Fox. Ooh. I don't know where to put my hands. Mm. Listen to my comeback chant. Return of the Jack. Oh. Return of the Jack. <laughs> you knew that I'd be back. <laughs> Return of the Jack. Mm. Woo! Mm. Uh, courtesy of somebody whose name disappeared off of my screen. That was courtesy of Socialist Socialite, and I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray! Mr. Miles Gray, a.k.a. Shug Zeit, a.k.a. Cold Brew Pock, Shakur, a.k.a. Snoop D-O-T-D-Z, a.k.a. Dr. Gray, a.k.a. Elizabeth Warren G, a.k.a. Black and Miles, because I'm smoking on Marlboro Zeitz, occasionally puffing on a Virginia Slim Menthol 420, or wrapping my shit up in a Swisher, yeet! Mm. Uh, thank you to Christy Yamaguchi Main uh, for that, aka G. Hell yeah. Well, we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by the hilarious and talented Zara Norbash, aka the Candy Corn Crusader. She just Boom. kicked through the door with to enter their with own theme music. That's a first. With Here, Sharia, the daily zeitgeist. Yeah, <laughs> creeping, sh- creeping Sharia. <laughs> that song rules. Thank you. Original composition. Yes. That's not a cover, right? No. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. I no. thought, I didn't think I recognized that. What no, was that from? My, that's my debut as a mullah. Nice. Hell yeah. That yeah. Was that's dope. from our Rock podcast, mullah. Good Muslim, Bad Muslim. Yeah. yeah. Good mullah, bad mullah. <laughs> this is our fifth and final season. Oh, okay. no. Yeah. And, and Aaron, what a run. In five years. Yeah. Man. That's, yeah. That's a hell of a run is it just for kind podcast. Of, did it feel, you know, as someone who looks across at his parca- podcasting partner <laughs> every day and wonders, when will the, when will the love fade? Mm. Mm. Is it about, like... Did you feel like you've you've sort of gone through what the show itself can do, or did if you guys are doing different things? If, if I if I can yeah, delve I in think, to understand the evolution, I think here. we. I mean, we have this DIY podcast. It's an independent podcast. Yeah. We've been doing it five years, once a month, no seasons, no hiatus, right? Mm. Continuous, right, right. And uh, it gave us because we didn't we we don't do guests. Mm-hmm. You know, in our last episode, we had fun with Aisha Siddiqui. She was a guest of ours on our last episode. Okay. But, like, in five years, we've had, like, three guests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In. Right. And it's given us the opportunity to really find our individual voices. Yeah. Right. And interests. And we have now. Yeah. yeah. See, you know? So now we kind of want to jump into new genres. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, that'll be exciting. Whatever yeah. that will be. Yeah. Next, next step is. I don't know what's going on in the divorce between you two. Oh. No divorce yet. Not I mean, yet. I know caught him texting people right. at times but it's oh the God. very early stages 
Do you know where... what? Emotional cheating is cheating. It is. Right. And I oh, thank sure. you. Okay. Thank you, Jack. It's not just my mother and therapist who's I been see. saying that. <laughs> I validate it. Thank you so much. Yeah. You don't um, need my validation, but there it is. I mean, but also Jack catches me in here after hours recording fake podcasts with made up <laughs> right. co-hosts. Yeah. So in a way, and that's kind of fucking with him too. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's it's going to be, I think it'll, we'll find the love again. Yes. We'll just go on vacation somewhere. I yeah. feel like this That'll now. Vegas. All we'll go to Vegas and yeah. we'll find <laughs> each other again. That always, <laughs> that always solves it. A nice little va- Vegas vacation. It's just hard for me in this position <laughs> because he and I have a candy corn podcast now. Right. Yeah. I thought that was a j- Wait, hold on. Y'all were serious about that? The candy corn? Cre- yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you were going to talk to him, Jack. No. The fuck? I thought we were wow. going to talk about this so after. so humiliating. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, Zora, we're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, is we Miles are going okay? to. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Uh, get Miles down from there. Okay. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> See, I wouldn't be jumping up and down the seat <laughs> if I wasn't fine. Uh, first, we're going to tell our listeners a couple of the things we're talking about today. We are going to uh, check in with Fox's coverage of the impeachment. Uh, talking about impeaching this creep. We are going to look at a study that suggests that female candidates are subjected to more online attacks. I can't. What a surprise! I can't be right. Such a I feminist never society. saw that coming. Yeah, uh, such as ours. Yes. Does it also say right after it that people also don't believe women when they say things? Is mm. that? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I don't believe that. That's yeah, true. That can't. Now I don't believe this. She's study. exaggerating. Whoever did this study. He was probably, probably an emotional woman who was just, <laughs> you know. Hysterical because of her ovaries. All right. Uh, we're, we're back with Glenn Beck here. <laughs> we rarely look forward to podcasts, but yeah. there is one on the horizon that we have to preview because it is a pretty exciting. Yeah. Uh, and we're hoping that we can get it on our network. Uh, I think if yeah. we had it, if we were able to produce this podcast, we may be able to help move things along in this administration yes. very quickly. Uh, so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about uh, the fact that Stephen Miller, still employed mm. by the White House. Yeah, the still white supremacist house. official policy yeah, for yeah, yeah, our country. Yep, yep, yep. Huh. Yep, yep. I and, mean, so much pressure from outlets like the New York Times, yeah. you know, to, to really to ouster Oof. him. But, uh, is Trump still president, though? Yeah, yeah, Let yeah, me yeah, check, yeah, yes. Yeah. Okay, yeah. 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 Uh, there it is. There uh, it is. And we're going to look at Deval Patrick. He just had to enter the presidential uh, primary, the Democratic primary, because, uh, you know. I'm not even sure why. Because, you know. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) Really, that's the million dollar question. Right. Uh, Sir, why? What? Yeah, you guys get it. Come on, you know, because, you know, Wall Street. I think I'm going to steal that sound by, well, why? Yeah, well, why? <laughs> well, 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 why? It's just a step up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but first, Zara, we like to ask our guests, what is something from your search history that's revealing about who you are? All right. Uh, latest. Mm-hmm. Latest and greatest. Did people eat dodo birds? Oh, oh wow. That's a great question. Did Inter- they? Yes. They did? They did. Yeah. Did you? I mean, okay. people ate everything. Did you think of this because because they're extinct? Were you like, okay, did our appetites have to do with its extinction, or you were just kind of being like, that's extinct? I wonder how it tasted. <laughs> yeah, the latter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, man, if I get some hand on my hands on some dodo meat, <laughs> <laughs> I'm generally when things go, I'm always like, but what did it taste like? Yeah, right. 
who dinosaurs? What do exactly. they taste like? Oh man! I mean, they dinosaurs have been probably so good. tasted like chicken. The Flintstones. I, I feel think. like. Oh really? In the Flintstones, yeah. were they? What were those big, huge <gasps> ass the, ribs they were eating? Oh yeah, the was that like brontosaurus ribs? Yeah, right. right? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. brontosaurus would be like the cattle because it was like grazing. They don't really show into those slaughterhouses to <laughs> what that looked like. Right. Uh, but yeah, those are those are the kinds of ideas in my head. I'm like, you know, oh, I want to know what that tastes how like. How good would T Rex arms be? Mm, just like right? they, like frog legs kind of like really yeah, it's like mm. a chicken wing but exactly. yeah it's the size of a miata <laughs> if you really think about how oh, big your right. fucking t-rex is in my <laughs> mind i'm like yeah give me that little t-rex arm and mm. it's like the size of this table <laughs> but yeah right. people used to eat everything uh charles darwin ate every animal that he discovered yeah yeah that was i didn't know fact. that yeah he was yeah. like he was curious about every aspect of it including documenting what they tasted like Oh, that's like me, how I imagine having sex with everyone I run into. Oh, wow. <laughs> What's up, y'all? Yeah, What's get a nibble up? of that. Interesting thing to learn <laughs> while making eye contact with you. Yeah. Let's yeah. hold that eye contact <laughs> like, right. a while. Like, What's the marbling like on your calf? <laughs> <laughs> like, wait, like, marbling? <laughs> like, uh, like a, like a beef product? <laughs> Listen, before you go extinct, yeah. yes. do let me know. Yeah, what is that, an A5 Wagyu thigh? <laughs> well, you're, you're half Japanese, right? What kind of Wagyu are we talking about? So I looked this up because the bluefin tuna is going extinct. Mm-hmm. And isn't there something I was reading about like the carbon concentrations on a lot of tuna is indicating sort of what's going on with the phytoplankton. Like it's sort of like foundationally in the food chain and the sea is fundamentally changing as well. I'm I mean, gonna, what a time to be alive. I'm going to say yes and pretend to be as smart as that. Right. Look, that was a that was a very convoluted thing to bring up in a conversation. No, I'm tongue. very enlightened now. <laughs> yeah, you know, so what other buzzwords can I say yeah, out loud? Phytoplankton. Yeah, phytoplankton. Uh, this is all in the you headline. You know what? The day phytoplankton becomes a buzzword is the day that we all might actually heal this earth. Yeah, right. Yeah. We're like looking down at that level. Let's make those buzzwords instead of kavavafi. Yeah, kavavafi. Right. Right. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. Uh, what is something you think is underrated? Underrated is impeachment parties. Mm. Okay. Oh, where are they? Yeah. I guess... you. Know, Okay, do you think it's dangerous to start super celebrating in the streets? I guess, what are we celebrating? The fact that maybe Democrats found the wherewithal to finally hold the president accountable? Or that we think that they could be removed? Okay, I'm going to give you three reasons why. Okay. Number one, it's important for your health. There's an important TED Talk. Oh, like a bit of release, you're saying? Yes. Mm -hmm. There's an important TED Talk by Kelly McGonigal that you you should all go and watch Mm -hmm. that is about the importance of celebrations and how it floods your system with oxytocin and remembering your strengths and how that builds on strength. You got to celebrate. You got to get that shit in as often as possible. Interesting. Mm. Number two, it's important because as soon as we start celebrating, we're going to figure out what election day is actually going to look like. Mm. Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because the scary Nazis are going to start coming out for the small tailgate parties. Right. And we need to start those battles like early Mm -hmm. so that they don't happen like the month before we try to vote. Right, right. And uh, number three, Mm -hmm. because we got to get excitement rallying for right. this shit to happen. Yes. Yeah, right, for public support. It's funny, the th- the first point you bring up like speaks exactly to the thing that I th- I'm doing the wrong version of, if that makes sense. I'm like withholding celebrating in the event that uh, it doesn't work, right. and then I'm doubly, however, but if I look at it very narrowly yeah. about doing that as a process of being like, well, you know what, like it's good to like feel invigorated, 
Because shit, that doesn't stop me from like celebrating like some sports team I like who may win in yeah, a see, very narrow context. And I'm like, in my and in my in the back of my mind, I'm like, we're not getting in the Champions League, right? <laughs> what the fuck the deal? Yeah. But in that moment, in that moment, I allow myself to celebrate, and that's what keeps yes. me going. Yes. Interesting. In this landmark TED talk, yes. Kelly McGonigal revealed that people who believe that stress is bad for them will die 30 years earlier than people who just believe stress is stress. 60% mm. of the time. What do you mean that you believe that stress is bad? Yeah, the belief is what kills you, not And you're the like, stress. this is killing me. This yeah. job is killing me. Exactly. So stress is like Freddy Krueger. Basically, yes. Yeah. It's just in Wait, your so head. Wait, so then what's well, the that, you? See, but if you went, stress is actually a Teletubby in my life. Right. That's trying yeah. to communicate motivates with me. me. It bops. I don't know what it says. A Teletubby says. with sharp teeth that's always nipping at my heels. You're going to yeah. die 30 years oh, before no. me, sir. I don't do that. I celebrate. Well, in my mind, like I just, I'm going extinct. What if you're of the belief where you're like, I don't have time for stress? I have a right. question first, though. Are your calves marbled? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is the question. You, are, you, can, see, you can see through the pants, I the marble. I feel like I'm looking at A5. I always think of like, <laughs> if I was in a situation where I had to eat a human being, I would probably eat my own calf first. <laughs> Right, because I've been eyeing it my whole life. I would eat They're your calf good. first as well. I mean, you've got you. Miles has very that's good eating right there. There's good that's good solid. meat on them bones. That's all. Want to talk about the marbling? If you want to take yeah. a butcher's look at that one, uh, they. I was listening <laughs> to a reporter look. talk about impeachment, and they were saying that it brought them back to when they were a child during a Watergate. Yes, and <laughs> their moms would all get babysitters. And go over to each other's house and just get drunk and watch the Watergate impeachment. Oh, that's rad. Yeah. Oh, really? Why aren't we yeah. doing that? I don't know. Let's go get drunk. Because yeah. pe people can't afford childcare. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. That's right. We have Hard dissolved yeah. all social programs. That's yeah. where we're at now. It was very uh, heteronormative where she was like, and then the dads would come home and they'd be like, where's my dinner? Why are you drunk and why are you mad? <laughs> yeah. Now let me suck on my little brown dick, a cigar. <laughs> right. And then they would take some Dextrogen and move on. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Good Sober times. up a little bit with some, some greenies. Yeah. A <laughs> some Fetamines. actual speed. Yeah. Uh, what yeah. is something you think is overrated? Overrated is, you know what? I feel like people pay way too much attention to what people say. Okay. Yeah. Overrated. Like, okay, number one for me as a dialoguer, I figure out what I'm trying to say as I talk about it. Mm-hmm. Mm. So I'm never mm. all that invested in anything that I say or other people say. I always assume it's evolving. Right. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, like versus like, I need to actually figure out everything I'm about to say right now before I say it, and then I'll say it. Yeah, and then being like really, really invested in that. Got you. You're just kind of like I'm channeling energy I'm feeling right now based on a given topic, and then I'm I'm fluid. Yeah, I'll, I'll make a exactly. We can move. We can move with the wind. I think the strongest I've ever felt, the most rigid, staunch belief I've ever had, is in how much I love candy corn. Uh oh, mm. boy. Yeah. And I know you're looking right dead in my eye. Because, in your soul. Yes, I recall saying I don't like candy corn, and you came after me on on Instagram. And I was like, I mean, that wasn't the only social platform yeah. I used, but yes, yes, that was I know the one place. that was the one that really got to me. Though <laughs> I was like, oh no, I've, she's she's aware. Is there? Can you tell me why you think candy corn is good? Ah, uh, you would like me to explain why sugar tastes good. Mm. Huh? I guess what is the flavor of candy corn? Vague vanilla sugar? Yeah. Is, is there vanilla in it? Is Vega challenge for you? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's just not. Do you have to be like, this is chocolate. Done. 
Like yeah, you can't I'm, have discovery. I'm, so, I'm just so rigid. I'm just like, <sighs> what is the definition of this flavor? If it's too ambiguous, I am gone. Phytoplankton yeah. and sugar. <laughs> How much carbon is in this? It yeah. has a butterscotchy aftertaste. It does. That's a good way of describing it. Because I've always been closeted uh, candy Do you see corn what happened? lover. Oh. Do you yeah. see what happened? Yeah. I made room for him. Yeah. He was closeted in his well, love. This is probably why he's going to leave me for you. So <laughs> Do you like the pumpkins? It. If you cry, I'm going to cry. No, you guys just do your show. This sounds really cool. <laughs> I'll just sit back here. Do you like the pumpkins? Yeah. Oh, my God. The pumpkins? Yeah. Is it the I same? I really love the pumpkins. Are same. the pumpkins, so we're dealing with the same sort of base material, but shaped as a pumpkin. Yeah. Shaped as a pumpkin, the coloring is a little bit more intense orange. I know, yeah, I've realized bright orange, is, bright and green. What's how much does it stick to your teeth? That's the other thing I remember is I feel like they're. That's the best part is yeah. when candy sticks to your teeth. I and hate that shit. It melts away slowly with <laughs> yeah. your tea and your, your teeth. Oh, I was gonna say it melts away your teeth slowly. <laughs> <laughs> well, that too breaks down your enamel to the point yeah. where your cavities develop. But then cavities are just little places for the sugar to hide, <laughs> so that you have little sugar. That, that's what <laughs> little, is uh, the best part. Sugar <laughs> treats that are later on coming Listen, out. Listen, I worst am proud dentist ever. <laughs> of every root canal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That I've had thanks to you, candy corn. Yeah. Uh, I've only had one and it failed. I just was cracking up listening to you guys because you were listening all of my loves. Wax lips. Right. I you love like wax oh, lips. They, that's like eating straight up a candle. It's the best. You right. eat that shit, right? How do you not you want to, eat, to eat a candle, Miles? Isn't that other one like isn't there like a wax co- cola bottle yeah. candy too? Yeah. That's I feel another like- one. Your paradigm on like this the, is all wrong. I like if like somebody came to me and was like, you could munch on your laptop, Zara, if, I'd be like, I'm ready. <laughs> you're, like, yeah. I'm, you're like, hold on, not, <laughs> like, not, hold on, what? not your laptop if? right now that you're munching on. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry, what, what were you, finish the sentence? <laughs> it's not made of sugar, but, I mean, you guys all saw Willy Wonka and the Chocolate yeah. Factory. There's yeah. the room where you get to eat everything. You know what it is? It's the textures, I think, is when I really think about it, because I don't like the waxy shit, because it. It evokes literally a candle in my mouth. Yeah. So it's like, this isn't a thing I'd Sounds eat. so sexy. And then the- <laughs> Candle in my mouth. Yeah. like, I've been kicked out of every candle store in this city. <laughs> Can't go to a candle store where my fucking face isn't plastered all Welcome over the walls. Welcome to my life. <laughs> but yeah, and I think with candy corn, it's that I, I realize on, I like chocolatey sweets the most. If there's a hierarchy, like fruity oh. ones rank low. Jelly beans are at the very bottom. <gasps> bottom? Yeah. So- Jelly- because they're there, it's like in that similar like chewy thing. Like Starburst, I like more, I but they get stuck to my wow. teeth. Laffy Taffy, I feel like they've finally done something with the formula. Because I this year eating some Laffy Taffy, yeah. it wasn't stuck all in my fucking teeth. You know what's a beautiful in between of Laffy Taffy and Starburst is Airheads. Yeah, Airheads oh. are good. Yeah, love those. Mystery I don't. I think I like all candy. I've just discovered. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, great. Very pan candy love. Pan candy. candy. Pandy. Uh, except Pandy. I don't I don't like Pandy for uh, candy. Yes. I don't like jelly beans that are just jelly bean flavored. That's Yeah, that's annoying. Yeah. It feels like such what is a jelly bean out. flavor? It's just, just it's sugar. almost like it it takes a step, like a gives a head fake towards licorice, but isn't licorice. <laughs> right. It's yeah. just isn't there yeah. like can you almost taste like doesn't even have crystallized the balls to granules of sugar like inside some jelly beans? Like there's a little crunch to it. You like know what? You're right. Yeah. There is an upside. Yeah. 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 Zara, what is a myth? What's something people think is true you know to be false? There is no standard of funny, folks. 
Okay, so this feeds are into funny is funny. <laughs> if you, listen, listen here, listen something here, that I white know guy. that I've known, funny is funny. You just sense it in your bones. Nope. Uh, your bones, right. not my <laughs> bones. bones. My bones are here, being like, not funny. This exactly. ain't it. Exactly. Uh, you, I remember last time you were here, or one of the previous times you interviewed Jack and I, because you had been working on something around this. Yeah, correct? yeah. I uh, spent a year as a senior fellow on comedy for social impact with okay. an organization called the Pop Culture Collaborative. Uh-huh. Look them up. They work at the intersection of Hollywood and philanthropy. In Amazing. social justice. So I think that's Brentwood? Yeah. <laughs> Hollywood and philanthropy. Yeah. It's an L.A. joke for my people out there. They're everywhere. They yeah. are a liberal Illuminati. Got it. Hollywood. Um, it's not quite that corrupt in I sure, study. Sure. But hey, maybe. Uh, and I worked with uh, them on analyzing comedy and the comedy pipeline, um, specifically the stand-up comedy pipeline. And one of the things I figured out was like, early on was that I would have to figure out metrics for how to evaluate comedy because comedy is subjective. Yeah. Right. You know, and part of the problem is that folks watch one kind of comedy, you know, that is like a genre that we see. It's like, you know, a lot of white guys at a bar uh, making jokes mm. and then everybody emulates that. And then that gets called funny. Right. You know, and then what I started to see happen was when people of color would uh, or people who identify as queer, or anyone outside of the normative cis hetero white male experience would identify something that's funny. They would say, oh, they're doing something different with comedy. Right. Mm. But then when like Louis C.K. would get up on stage and do meandering storytelling, mm. then people would say, oh, he's an innovator. Right, right, right. right, right. He's right. changing the field of comedy. And it was like, well, how come when I do it, the genre is bending for me, mm. but when he does it, he's innovating in the field. Why can't I be an innovator? Right. Mm. And what I started to see is uh, that when I get up on stage, people are looking to place me before mm. they're going to give me that you know, authorship to surprise them. So you say when they're trying to place you being like, what style of comedy? Like, what's the like? No, what like, do you mean? where like, are you like, from? Oh, like, how do I how do I put my cultural biases glasses on right. to exactly. look at your comedy? Because I don't know which pair to put on right exactly. now. Exactly. If Got you were it. one of the Sex and the City characters, which one would you be? Mm, no, no, I'm, I'm <laughs> right, yeah, right, yeah. Exactly. exactly. Oh, then I don't know. Then you must uh, you must be bending the genre, basically. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, right, even right. just Sex in the City was like revolutionary in creating four women instead of one. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. You know, so like when I would get up on stage and I would do my jokes, I would always get this guy after shows going, "How come you didn't talk about being Sicilian? Are you not proud?" And I'd be like, "I'm Wait, not Sicilian." Really? Yeah, every single time. What? <laughs> That's so like, me, you should do jokes about being Italian. You should do jokes about being Sicilian. You should do jokes about being Greek. And I would say, I'm not Greek. I'm Persian. Where's that? <laughs> Where, where's what part that of from? Sicily is that? Exa yeah. <laughs> and and then I started to notice when I do jokes, oh, my God, they're distracted. They're trying to place me. They're not listening. Right. Mm. So that's why I now start my sets by saying I'm a feminist, Muslim, Iranian, American comedian. Mm. And then I get laughs. Does that get laughs too? 
Yeah. Like just well, merely doing that. I get a first. lot of different, like sometimes people laugh, sometimes people cheer. Right. Which yeah, is yeah. always nice. And then sometimes people just like listen, like, okay. And some people dial 9 1 <laughs> yeah, exactly. and then wait. <laughs> and just keep their finger <laughs> above the Boy. one. Yeah. I try not to perform in those spaces. Yeah, yeah sure, sure. Uh, yeah, I'm surprised you go up there. I'm assuming you're going to say your name, Zara Norbach, and then people are like, yeah. Paisan! Like, <laughs> like, like, at what point are they like, you got to do more Sicily material? Yeah. When Come I on. hear that name, I, yeah. the Godfather theme just starts playing in the back of my head. And yeah, I'm taken back me? to the old country. Did you fuck my wife? And then so you, you fuck found. My wife. <laughs> you fuck my wife is an underrated Robert De Niro line. That you, fuck people, my wife? you fuck my wife? You fuck my wife? Hey, you fuck my wife? I don't know, possibly. Yeah. Um, you have so, candy corn with her? She's <laughs> talking about corn. Um, when you So after that, that, you realize too that just even in the basic structure of setup and punchline, that people's mental bandwidth can actually like it's not split or because of that that also feeds into how they're taking in your joke setups both both and for for comedians who have to do that additional work of establishing context you know because like when it comes to white guys we have so many flavors right like if i confuse seth rogan and michael Sarah, so you see you go to jail (laughs) right can't (laughs) right right how could you even kevin costner with tom cruise what right (laughs) <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> How could you even? And then different Kevin Costner movies. Oh God! Right, right. even then, it's like right. that's Waterworld. That part of Waterworld where then he's like dancing. Not bodyguard. With, no? okay. yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's so much. We come in expecting a white guy with a mic to tell us something. That's a position we're accustomed to. They're in charge. They're going to tell us something. What are they going to do with that authority? Right. Uh, interesting. When I get up on stage, then people want to know. Who is she? Where is she from? What do her parents think about this? And do I agree with whether or not she should have that authority? And you put this all into like a really interesting report with like with pictures, charts, and pictures yeah. that are like very and very easy, easy to follow, to understand. especially yeah. for someone who's like, I'm trying to create metrics for what's funny. And I'm yeah. like, I'm going through, I'm like, this is very easy to follow, actually. Yes. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. Check it out, yeah, popcollab.org slash funny. We'll put that funny. in the footnotes. So please actually check that out because I think that's really important sort yeah. of aspect of like the this work you've done. Yeah, one of the things I'm hoping to do is to just like expand the conversation on humor outside of just the like, is this censorship? Yeah, is right. it funny? Is it not like PC culture? Yeah, there's yeah. so much more conversation we can have. There's a complex political topography with Plankton and more. Right. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. I get all my comedy theory from comedians in cars getting coffee and yeah. what Jerry Seinfeld has to say about, about high college school girls? students these oh. days and high school so girls. So Miles, yeah. Jack, and I are getting a divorce. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> no, you know what? You guys sound You just haven't seen the right episode yet. You just haven't seen the right episode yet. Look who's come begging and crawling back. <laughs> I, knew it was, I knew it was a wash from the beginning. All right. <laughs> We're gonna take a quick break. Uh, we will be right back. And we're back. Still and nibbling. Still nibbling. Yeah, picking a piece of Have Miles's you heard marble the thing calves that out. They from say between dogs your lick your face because they're trying to get to your bones. Whoa! What? Never did mind. you? Did the acid just hit? Nah. <laughs> I was just no, because she was talking about my calves, and then yeah. I was thinking about someone saying like dogs like they lick because in a way they're trying to figure out where you're. Bo- I don't know. Nah. This, this is when I hang out with this dude who works at. They Pat lick Coy. it we because of the salt from all the tears. 
Oh, right? yeah. Yeah. That's right. Uh, <laughs> all right. Let's talk about impeachment. We just like to throw little curveballs up yeah. top. You know? I, just like, I, like, I like telling my husband now when I kiss him. It's because I want to know See what the bones, bones taste trying like. Trying to get to the bones underneath yeah. there. Mm, yeah. Those also, mouth bones. Yeah. What's our prenump? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> our prenum. Num 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 num. 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 <laughs> uh, so delicious go. prenups. Uh, let's talk about Fox's coverage of impeachment. Uh, talking about impeaching this creep. The Atlantic had a nice little breakdown of how Fox was covering the testimony by just basically blasting us with chirons of stuff the president had said about the stuff that's on screen, like literally taking you inside the mind of the president as he sees this various things. Like, what do you uh, mean? So, for instance, when Taylor was on screen, uh, the Fox headline was, October 23rd, President Trump dismissed Taylor as a never-Trumper. And White House <laughs> called Taylor's closed-door testimony triple hearsay. And GOP says Taylor had no firsthand knowledge about Ukraine aid. Uh, and by the way, I'm saying it in that tone because these are all caps. Right. They put it in all caps just to... With, like, blood dripping down the text. But it, it really seems... And this is about Taylor Swift. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Taylor, Bill Taylor I, as Swift. I call her. Okay, I just want to make sure I'm keeping up. Yes. But, yeah, it's just... It's almost like they've decided... The feedback loop has fused into one where we're now seeing like Terminator heads up display vision of like what <laughs> just like analyzing, yeah, right. Donald Trump analyzing, analyzing, never, never Trumper, Trumper must kill, right? Um, never Trumper, yeah. yes, that's the, that's the word they use to try and paint like conservatives who like are trying to be somewhat objective. It's like, well, they're never Trumpers, meaning you like, see what I mean about buzzwords these oh, days, yeah, yeah. That's what they got, man. Man. It's interesting to also see just like the way even the Republicans were like working through their question rounds of like you would almost get lost if you're not up to date on all the conspiracy theories on the right oh, about wow. how they're looking at it. Yeah. Because the there Republican are moments questions. where people are like, what? Yeah. And then so that's what was like really interesting and, and what Fox focused on. So Republicans would ask questions that were based on like conspiracy theories that you would have had to be watching Sean Hannity to like be Daily. up on. Yeah. And the, you know, Taylor would like kind of pause and not have an answer and just kind of be like, huh? And they'd be like, he had, he was speechless. He like almost make said... it seem like he didn't know what to say or they had stumped him. What a way to like completely dismiss any argument. By just saying somebody's a never Trumper. Yeah, like, right. If you disagreed with me, I'd be like, "You're a never Zara anyway." Yeah. <laughs> well, it's same. It's it's. There's a version of that in regular culture, just called being like, "Well, they're a hater." Right. You know what I mean? That's really what it is. Like this dismissive thing, where it's like this person is saying something that is diametrically opposed to maybe my worldview or what I how I'm perceiving reality. And rather than maybe parsing through that, I'm just like, "You're a hater." It's a You're clev- never yeah, it's a clever way of like creating sub hate categories, yeah. right? And like convoluting the argument because then now you're making it about whether or not those sub haters exist, and it's no longer about the argument. Yeah, it's a great, it's a, it's the perfect amuse bouche on your way to your main course of cognitive dissonance. Oh. You know what I mean? Just to be like, start off with that hater talk. 
Because, I mean, you, you see that the most in regular people. Like, I see people dismiss, like, uh, criticisms of either their work or behavior. Like, well, they're a hater. I'm like, no, they brought up actually something really valid about how you're behaving. Like, if you would just take that on, you might actually maybe have a moment of introspection. Yes. Right. Or that might be too much. And then you can just be like, they're a hater, so I'm going to just preserve it's like my... like the reality TV philosophy of just like everyone's a you're hater fake. and I'm just here to win. Yeah. And I didn't... Come you know what they say friends. in communications coaching? What's that? They say, whatever the package is, you take the gift, you leave the wrapping. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. So you and litter? I... Right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. More garbage. <laughs> On the street. Yeah, All the time. More garbage. Yeah. 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 I think, I mean, just with also seeing how Jim Jordan, we touched on it a little bit, how sniveling he was because he was Mr. I'm going to say a conspiracy theory really fast, and then I'm going to smirk when you're so confused. <laughs> And then you heard it from this person, and this person yeah. heard from that person. True or false? They... True or false? Joe Biden was the vice president. Right. Uh, that's true. True or false? Hunter Biden is uh, Joe Biden's son. Uh, true. True or false? Boromir died before Faramir. <laughs> exactly. So I... uh, how can we trust anything this man says? Right. So <laughs> the <Yeah>. defense rests. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who died first? Was it Faramir? I have no idea. Boromir. I, man, yeah, I don't Boromir. even know what you're talking about. Dude, Lord of the Rings, man. That's why we oh. can't trust you, man. Yeah. This man is not keen on Tolkien. <laughs> he's not keen on Tolkien yeah get him out he's not American he's not a patriot that's true that's true about me he probably worships Ra's the al number Ghul. one American patriot Tolkien <laughs> Tolkien <laughs> Gandalf uh, alright uh, there is a study an analysis of Twitter uh, that is making the case that misogyny is you lost me at real? Twitter yeah yeah. yeah, right. Exactly. The most uh, the, the most chill social media platform. What, the, what they sort of did was they looked at just Twitter conversations uh, for a week following campaign announcements of six candidates. Right. Just to kind of analyze like what the sort of content or tone was of these, like how people were speaking. Um, and they found that when it was any kind of conversation around female candidates was around, uh, you know, character and identity. Whereas when it was around male candidates, it was more about like policy and electability. That's amazing. I was just talking about this with jokes. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. The what exact do you same know? thing. Right. It's a cultural <sighs> phenomenon. The yeah. New York Times study uh, or the New York Times poll about uh, that like pitted Warren, Biden, uh, Sanders against Trump in like all the battleground states, and they were like, Warren is doing much worse than any anyone else in those head-to-head matchups. And they like dug in a little deeper and like asked questions that sort of slanted uh, the question. So it wasn't clear that they were asking like, "Are you a misogynist?" But it was like that's what they were getting at, and like it was very clear that. Warren was just being hurt by the fact that she's a woman, like yeah. straight up and down. Like they were just like, wow. This, this is making me feel a little better about the Dems knowing that they're asking these questions now. Right. Yeah, yeah. That they're even being like, uh, I, I, I think we should ask the question because we the, think the is true. the strategy when Hillary was running to, was just to not talk about it. Right, yeah, right, right, right. You know, it was like, where's the conversation about our relationship to women in leadership? Right. Yeah. Well, I think that conversation I you'd think would be brought up a little bit more aggressively because I think it's more comes out in drips and drabs of like, huh, who'd have thought? We live in a patriarchy, huh? Yeah. What do you know? And yeah. I think they also even say that um, when they look at the nature of the coverage, that a, a lot of female candidates are getting more attacks from the right wing and fake news 
uh, like sort of coordinated attacks against them than male politicians. But they did show that like when you were popular, those attacks were pretty much like those were pretty much proportionate. But if you were popular and female, it was it was like added penalty basically charts. in yeah. terms yeah. of like what those interactions I were. I feel like every woman listening to this who's ever been in a management position is like, uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, I have this like saying for myself now, which is because women do this to other women, sometimes almost more than men. Right. I mean, it's internalized. The, the likability yeah. factor. When you're a woman in charge, the requirement that you be likable, that you be liked, mm-hmm. is huge. Yeah. And women are constantly asked to apologize for their actions, to apologize for holding people accountable. Right. Right. Which is our job when right. we're in a position it's of like, leadership. Who does, who does she think she is, my manager? Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, or like people get intimidated that you know more than them. And it's like, right. yeah, that's why I'm in charge of you. Right. I am in charge of but you. But I got a dick. It's so, ridiculous. Yeah. No, I mean, it, and it's, it's, you see this all over too. This, even right now, there's like a big story that's been coming out of Japan where a lot of female employees are like, you know, maybe you shouldn't wear eyeglasses because oh, they I come off cold yeah. and frigid. Ugh. And it's like, I mean, already there's it's a very chauvinistic culture to begin with. And but like, that was the goal. Yeah, of course. <laughs> no, but I think, and then, but there, we see these sort of things constantly yes. and manifesting in all these different ways. Yes. But yeah, I think you'd hope that the next evolution of like these stories going like, damn, that sucks, huh? Is then now being like, can we talk about what our relation, like you're saying, yeah. what are our relationships to this idea of women being in positions of power? Because clearly, in other countries, they've they've at least somewhat moved past it by their hey, elect- Angela election. Angela Merkel, yeah, right. of of uh, female leaders and things like that. Margaret Thatcher, yeah, yeah, old Thatchy, old Thatch. I, mean, I think it's really important that like we know. I mean, I state this for myself. Mm-hmm. I don't need to like women in positions of power. Right. Right. I don't need to like them. But it's, yeah. What I, do you mean you don't need to like, you, you mean to respect what they're doing? I mean, Or it's not I don't important even want, that likability doesn't, it's it's irrelevant. I think our relationship to women and likability is so convoluted and weird. Right. That it's it's the other kind of candy corn. It's the bad candy corn. The flavor or you can't me, pinpoint. Or to me, candy right. corn. This is debatable. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even believe I've given you this much miles. Yeah. Damn it. No, but the crux of this is not debatable. Like, I, I just, I feel like our relationship to women and likability is already so messed up that there's so much going on there. Mm-hmm. We project so much. We parentify women in charge. And then we project our, our relationship to that parentification onto them, you know, and act that out. There's so much happening. Women, you know, with other women in positions of power get threatened. There's so much going on that I try to focus on action and goal. Right. You know, and then re-examine everything else that's coming on around it. But when it comes to a woman telling me what to do, however she's telling it to me, I take the gift. Right. And say thank you. Yeah, sure, yeah. sure. And Gia, move on. Gia Tolentino in her book Trick Mirror was talking about how women are sort of better adapted to what it's like to be on the internet because they're ha- they have to like do this dance between uh projecting a personality and also like inhabiting that personality and like that yes. they kind of always had to do that. It's really interesting. All the time. Right. And it's it also makes me wonder like how much of this rise in like overt misogyny like in the past 
couple i guess past Centuries? decade oh. like the well the the gamer gate thing is just right. men responding to not having the immediate benefit of the doubt given to them because they don't have all the cues at their like when you're online you don't have the benefit of people just immediately knowing you're a a dude right. you know so like they're like kind of responding to that absence by uh lashing out but it it is like I really I think we need to keep asking the question of like what specifically is it about American culture that like this seems to be the deepest, most pervasive, most unshakable bias that you American know, culture has. I'm going to simplify it because, you know, one of the things I found in doing my research was that it's less about the quality of the narrative you say and more about how often you hear it. Right. Mm hmm. So like Fox News with their loops, you know, even though they don't make any sense. It's like, but you're stuck. You just right. say them over and over and over and over again, and it just becomes so familiar. Right. That the familiarity is more disarming than anything else. Yeah. And people always say comedy has this ability to be disarming, but really it's just because the power of a joke is you remind us of something we already knew to be true. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, oh, you forgot that I'm a human, but I am. Right. I'm just like you. Right. right. Damn, that's oh, so you funny. reminded me. Damn, oh, I forgot. Right. Right. And we laugh and we're delighted. You know, so it's like when it comes to our relationships to women in leadership, how many television shows can you look at where there's a woman in a position of power and it's not about whether or not we can trust her? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and I think it, it even extends to just how the how we treat women as a society as well, or just with the policies we have around reproductive rights and things like that, at every turn there's a every message turn. that reinforces this idea of like, well, I mean, look at look at all the leading male roles, right? With like 24, Jack Bauer is like, you know, is he going to save his daughter? Is right. government going to get in the way? Is he on heroin? Right. right. And then with anything starring a woman, name, give me one. Scandal. There you go. It's already in the title. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But but Olivia Pope, I mean, she's so fierce. Mm. Every like and being the... inexplicably damseled at times. We don't know though. Who cares? Ooh, I like inexplicably damseled. Well, I mean, that some... should be a podcast. Yeah, inexplicably. Like, how'd y'all take their agency away in this situation? <laughs> uh, let's talk real quick about uh, the fact that Stephen Miller is still employed. Uh, Miles, you were kind of pointing out the just contrasting just... that with Van Jones. Wait, well, uh, a lot of people were th remembering when Obama's first term. First of all, I just want to say. Everybody who tried to come after Ilhan Omar for calling him a white nationalist owes her a fucking apology. Oh, yeah. Uh, on the right. Because she just, she was like, this guy's a white. They're like, what? Yeah. Just because he's a white, na uh, um, Jewish? Right. right. They were like, that's anti Semitic. I'm sure we'll as she, soon as she gets out from underneath the death threats coming her way, yeah, she right. will maybe say something. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Um, but again, so there was this whole thing that the Southern, Southern Poverty Law Center released this like trove of emails between Stephen Miller, um, Santa Mon or a.k.a. Santa Monica Goebbels, um, right. with like correspondence between him and someone at Breitbart, editors at Breitbart, you know, passing along just out straight up white nationalist garbage, nativist bullshit, xenophobia, everything. Uh, you know, we talked about it on the, the light geist, night yeah. geist, zeit bites, whatever we're calling that little midday show we do. I mean, those are three um, great options. <laughs> um, about this, he kept talking about this book called this uh, this book called The Camp of the Saints, which is a French novel um, that's very popular with white supremacists. They love the book. Right. They love the book where it's just a depiction of just basically saying brown people will invade your white country. It'll get gross. And one of the main characters is literally called the turd eater. Uh -huh. Okay. 
Um, and because it's well written. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. I mean, t- but I guess in French, terre de terre. But I, but when you then, so what he was saying in relation to this book was sort of saying the Pope wants open borders. I mean, hasn't hasn't anyone learned the lessons that was in this book, the camp of the saints? And then Breitbart basically put an article connecting those ideas together. Right. Um, and again, we're looking at somebody who is setting the like our immigration policies that are so hateful and xenophobic. Um, that I'm, we all know, I'm, I'm sure most of us presume that that's probably why he was chosen. Because right. he was a Jeff Sessions, like he fell off that shit pile tree right. and right into the White House garden. And they're like, yeah, this is great. This is who will set our policies. Yeah. Um, but with Van Jones, right, in 2009, he got in so much shit because they're like, this guy uh, was, was a complicit in some like some weird 9-11 truth thing. But essentially his take was that like he felt George Bush was complicit in it somehow. Okay, that's a weird take. But at the time, you could be like, whatever, that's that's one part of it. The other parts were that he was support. How dare he support Mumia Abu Jamal uh, with with the The Black (laughs) Panther? Yes. Killed a police officer. But then the the trial was really fucked up. There was evidence tampering. And it's just like clearly one of those situations where like, yeah, the cop that everyone sided with the cop. The judge would even saying like in an affidavit uh, from a stenographer was like using the N word. Like, we're going to fry this dude. Like. You know, mm. but how dare oh he voice God. support for this person right. and then had the temerity to criticize what they use in quotes, U.S. imperialism. Mm. So when he said that shit, they came do right wing media, Glenn Beck, all of them, they fucking came for his ass and right. he fucking resigned because yeah. they're like, this pressure is just too much. I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry you had the. Your eye, your eyes worked and you were able to articulate what U.S. <laughs> imperialism was for these people. But like. When you contrast when you contrast that with what's happening now, it's like, right. where the fuck are we? Yeah. Stephen Miller has been outed as a open white supremacist and like in basically very much connected to his current career like his current job. He, like it was he's him in, doing this in association with like the Trump campaign, which is now like his fucking job. Yeah. It's, it's like, like, well, okay, sir, I'm looking on your resume. It just it's just one line here. It says your name, Stephen Miller, and it says, I want to enact policies of terror against brown people. Yes. Okay, so I'm going to put you in charge of immigration. How's that sound? Oh my it's God. like, yeah, yeah, great, great, great. That's pretty much the most direct line to that kind of shit, and that's what we have. Right. Um, also, Van Jones on, at one point called Republicans assholes. In a, <gasps> and these are all statements that were before he was even appointed, but this clip, they're like, can you believe this guy? He said we we're assholes. And right. he's like, I'm sorry, Get him out. I see with my eyes. Yeah. And but I th- but when you look at also like the New York Times, you know, a lot of people were they always come up the New York Times because they like to just underhand toss, you know, nice light pieces at the White House, you know, for Maggie Haberman, who was so big on Hillary Clinton's emails. They're like, wow, a lot of a lot of crickets coming out your feed when we're talking about like straight up white supremacist drivel in emails from Stephen Miller. But you just want to be like, isn't Hope Hicks Bay? Right. Yeah, I keep working on those picks, those yeah. pieces. I mean, they just they wrote about it, but they it was just very much like down the middle. He's causing controversy by being like he is a emails. white supremacist who is in the White House setting policy for our government. Right. Hmm. Mm-hmm. But Van Jones. Anyway, I mean, later on, I I've you know I not that I think Van Jones is the perfect guy, but I think just to contrast sort of the reactions of someone having what you know, one side might consider a hot take. Right. Yeah. Um, 
I'm like, I don't know how much it gets hotter than straight up white nationalism, white right. supremacy. I mean, I like, I, I just can't. Yeah. I can't even. Well, I think I wonder too if like if we're at the, we're at that point right where this has become normalized. And yeah. Even in your past appearance, you talk about destabilizing. Yes. Uh, that we are so destabilized. Yes. As people, as a society, that we are looking at this person up in our faces. We all know he's a white supremacist, and it's like, eh, what are we gonna do? Yeah. You know, because every time we complain, they don't do anything because they don't care. So what's the point, even this time? Yeah. I mean, it's it makes me nauseous because it. What I see happening is that the new economy globally has become a detention center economy. Yeah. And so then what I hear you saying is that they are putting people in positions of power who have the ability to detain more people of color. Right. That's the new and economy. generate even That's more profits. That's the new global economy. Yeah. Like you look at the concentration camps in China, in uh, in India, in uh, – I mean how – Many United States. in the United and the United States is the highest. Yeah, right. The highest. Yeah. The containment of people. Right. You know, is clearly to me becoming a solution to climate crisis. Oh, absolutely. And I think as more people begin to sort of push back against like these structures of power within their own countries, that's another moment to be like, how do we make more profit out of these people who are up in the streets? Right. Yep. Do we how do yeah. we outlaw that? And then that's why I think they keep mentioning Giuliani's relationship to homelessness in New York. Mm -hmm. Right. Because threw them all in jail. Right. Yeah. You know, this detention economy. Yeah. Then and then that's also even more concerning that then the belief systems of people in positions to decide what is and isn't criminal. Right. Yeah. Is based on shit like this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, remember that like when. Before all the Trump administration shit, when we were talking about the fucking all the like free labor and we could focus on like the companies that were using prison labor. And right. Then, and then. And what type of universal health care we wanted to have. Right. Remember those? Yeah. <laughs> Days right. when we were like, what kind, though? Right. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, all right. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. And we're back, and uh, we have a new entry into the Democratic field. Thank God. Bloomberg <laughs> was getting all the attention, and then coming out of left field, uh, Mr. Deval Patrick. Deval Patrick. Former governor of Massachusetts. Uh, he's uh, He's got a real interesting sales pitch. Yeah, he, he's... Um... I'll just read how the New York Times is describing him entering the race. And you tell me how inspiring this is, okay, considering the times we're in. Okay, wait. I want to announce the you're entering the race. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, from the New York Times, Mr. Patrick hopes to bridge the divisions that have shaped the contest so far. What? Appealing to centrists and liberals, white and non-white voters, across generational and economic lines in a way None of the candidates have been able to do. Oh, really? Okay. What is his policy? That well, hold on. Do hold on. Well, easy now. <laughs> Did I tell you? Uh, as they go on, literally the next sentence is, quote, a close friend of former President Barack Obama. Oh, okay. Dun, 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 dun. He, has told at, he has told advisors that he envisions a campaign similar to Obama's in 2008, focusing more on bringing people together and healing the country than making a particular ideological case. That's the kind of leadership and bravery we need right now. 
I'm so, not here to make an ideological case. <laughs> you know, I'm here. I'm running on a platform. like, remember when we pretended systemic racism and economic injustice like weren't a thing? Right. Is kind of what this sounds like to me. Like, let's yeah. keep it so vague. Let me sell you a feeling, even though the feeling you feel is the crushing of, you know, the economy against you. I'm and- running on a platform of basic human rights. Yeah. This is... I- it's it's a very odd thing. I mean, like, look, he's he's very qualified. He's a he was a Harvard grad, a civil rights lawyer at DOJ. You know, obviously, he's a governor. Like th- that, fine. I don't question where his heart is, but like, I just this ain't it. I'm yeah, like we're 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 past candidates like this. Doesn't he had the same position at Bain Capital that Mitt Romney had yes. in 2000. Like the, Very important to also mention, Bain yeah. had a position at Bain, Bain Capital. Bain Capital, which is like a big, dark force of economic, you know, hey man, they get money the, generating, money generating. The company Bain started Capital? off the ground, man. What is it? It's like a, a fund. Like, yeah, venture capital shit. Bullshit. Uh, but so in 2012, Mitt Romney, like this was the like dark business past that uh, uh. got kind of made people look at him askance. And yeah, dude had the same position as him. Uh, they, so they're like, you know what we need? We need Obama in 2012, but then fuse it with Mitt Romney so that it's, yeah, you, know. you know, corporate raider. Yeah, you know, corporate let them know basically like, yo, it's weird. It just shows you the lack of creativity on the people who are like king making or thinking right. they're king making on the left being like, yeah, man, what about like Duvall? Right. Like, he's like Harvard lawyer, black. Like he's he's not going to fucking burn us because he gets what it's like on Wall Street. You know, what about him? What if we get in his ear? But apparently, like the Obamas have also were also talking to him, like trying to maybe. Well, a long time ago, like I remember there was a New Yorker profile of him that was talking about the Bain Capital stuff, and then he just kept saying, no, I'm not going to run. And then he came out with an official statement like when there was all this buzz where he said, no, I'm not going to run. Like he officially took his name out. So I I am wondering what, like what spurred him to now enter the race other than just the leftward movement. I don't know. I know at first his wife was sick, and that was one of the reasons he wasn't getting in. And then she's doing much better now. Um, and I think maybe that could be it. But then you think, like, you'd, maybe you want to be with your family mm. and not enter, like, because this is futile, this whole right. thing. Uh, and also what's interesting is, you know, his bio was on the Bain Capital website until, like, I think yesterday. And they took it down very quickly. Mm. Um, but, you know, what? there's there's an ar- internet archive. So you can read what how they were describing him. Because out here, he's like, you know, I'm just trying to heal the nation. Meanwhile, this is how Bain Capital sees him. Prior to joining the firm, he served as governor of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts for eight years. Before entering public office, Governor Patrick was executive vice president and general counsel of the Coca-Cola Company. He also worked as vice president and general counsel of Texaco Incorporated. Damn. And served on the company's executive council. Damn. And then goes on to some other shit, too. Oh, my God. But it's like, God. come on, bro. Right. <laughs> Coca-Cola in Texaco? Yeah. He's going he's gonna to be a reformer who changes things. Of from, course, dude. Uh, but, you know, it takes somebody with knowledge of the system to change the system, you guys. I can oh see. I can God. totally see that being the argument. But isn't that yeah. gross? Wow. Coca-Cola yeah. and Texaco. Texaco. Yeah. Just all the... But I think on his website, they painted as he led reforms at Texaco where a court appointed him to create a more equitable and inclusive workplace and at Coca-Cola where he stood up for employees and unions. Did he? Mm. 
mm-hmm. but not like draining all the water out of certain cities where mm. so you can make your drinks. Mm. Oh my god. Anyway, so that's it's just funny like as as much as everyone we're kind of like looking at these things of like, oh yeah, <laughs> dude, that's a great idea and you're like, no, full like we a lot of people do not like this kind of energy in a can- in a candidate anymore. It's right. like a lot of people are past the like like let's soothe ourselves with like memories wow. of the good times and now we're like we're trying to like eat the rich now. Oh my god. <laughs> like I'm trying to rip out their cash holes. Right. So <laughs> what's the deal here? I don't need Mr. Also like Oh, where a court appointed him. Like, that's how fucked up the shit was in Texaco, where they're right. like, my man, the court, court legally, appointed. they're like, you have to have this or dude here. they just, here. like, rolled up on the on the street. Like, Okay, but I need you to hear, I need to hear you say rip out their cash holes like Hulk Hogan, though. Just, we're going out there, we're going to rip out your cash hole, brother. <laughs> <laughs> just rip it right up. And I think that's the thing, is like, where you see these people are miscalculating what the sentiment is because there are more people who are working and are not doing as well as they should be. Yes. Who are now looking at this election and being like, what does my life like look like in the next eight years? Because- Do you know what's the easiest thing to build? Hmm. Infrastructure. Yeah, right. Do you know what's the hardest thing to get through? Corruption. Right. You have to like, you have to be Weasley. You got to like, you, you got to mess with language. Yeah. You got to like create all kinds of red herrings and smoke screens and you have to work every day to keep people from seeing corruption. Right, right, right. The easiest thing to build is a building. <laughs> right, right. The hardest thing to do is to lie about a building. They're like, it's being built. <laughs> right. You'll see. I mean, it's going to be sick, dude. Oh, this whole thing is like. You can see it. You can walk in it. Lying about it is tough. Yeah, very tough. Mm. Hmm. Well, and like I said before. We, we don't usually do this on this podcast, but we, we are going to take a look inward at the podcast industry mm-hmm. and specifically- <gasps> Can we do that? A show that is uh, being rumored that we want to just put our services out there yep. to, uh, to Rudy Giuliani, mm-hmm. uh, the guy who butt dials journalists, <laughs> confesses to crimes on TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, Locked out of his iPhone and then went to an Apple store after being like named, named or informally cyber his like cybersecurity advisor to Trump. Yes. Um, oh, Rudy. He's been talking about doing a podcast ever since. Like, it, I think this summer is when it started because he's been fu- like he's just been saying the dumbest shit out loud, and they're like, uh, uh, "You're uh, confessing uh, to crime." <laughs> No dumb, yeah, interesting, interesting, most interesting, interesting, interesting. newsmaking stuff. Newsmaking. St- oh, I'm sorry. Yes, yes. He's been saying the most lit shit. He's been defining the headlines. Yeah. yeah. Um. So recently, they heard him. He was loudly speaking uh, at a lunch last weekend about starting a podcast. It says. Uh, Giuliani was overheard discussing the plans with an unidentified woman while at a crowded New York City restaurant. The conversation, which lasted more than an hour, touched on details including dates for recording and releasing the podcast, settling on a logo, and the process of uploading the podcast to iTunes and other podcast distributors. Two people who overheard uh, his discussions reached out to CNN and provided a recording they decided to make of the conversation. (laughs) So this dude was screaming about his podcast plans. So it sounds like the inside of any WeWork. And he wants to apparently now this is uh, this is Jack where our maybe our expertise comes in. He's he wants to do a limited run series now, four to five episodes. How I do think, you guys feel about that? I think I think you could do some daily, Rudy. Right, at oh, least weekly. Yeah. I think weekly, well into past election day. I mean, this is all about taking the wall out from between you and the mm-hmm. people who love you, Rudy, yep. who want to hear 
what's going on inside that head of yours, Because his whole motivation is to get in front of a lot of the shit that he feels like he's being implicated in, or he's right. basically been, has his hands all over in terms of right. a lot of this Ukraine scandal. Um, and so I, you know, it's only going to be another opportunity to just self-own, right. uh, brought to you by ZocDoc or whatever. <laughs> you know what, Rudy, go DIY. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Quantity over quality, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just get it out there. Get a subscribership going. Yeah, Patreon maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like he this is one. like he's surrounded himself by like yes men and people who like rely on him for corrupt uh, yeah. ends. And they're all telling him like he's brilliant and hilarious and cool and the best. And so he keeps seeing himself get negative coverage elsewhere. And so he's like, I mean, even Laura Ingram's being mean yeah, to me. Yeah, they're like, this guy's got to so, go. Uh, so now he's like, well, I, the problem must be them, so I just need a direct line to the people. Right. So yeah. we, this is like a – I feel like this is a very unique opportunity where we're going to get to see sort of just how I, – I, I really hope this podcast happens. I mean, his lawyer must be begging him to not i know or be like i will no longer <laughs> like you're gonna i i can't defend you because there's going to be an episode on like what really happened in ukraine i mean and you tells the truth and it's like <laughs> dude no you just this is exhibit a in your trial this is but a hey, triple dude, hearsay but i guess this is what's hearsay. funny right this is how the double-edged sword of this thing is like it's so corrupt yeah on one side but it just utter chaos on the other end of it is like None of these people are know what they're doing. Also, his spokeswoman is 20 years old, uh, and she goes to Liberty University. She's in the graduating class of 2022. Mm. That's his spokeswoman, mm -hmm. and she has all these like additional connections to like Lev Parnas and the Long Island lawyer, lawyer this guy Gucciardo, who like gave him the 500,000. Like she's somehow involved with that, and like it. Y'all know what I'm gonna tell you, right? Huh. Welcome to Iran. <laughs> you are here. Welcome. Yeah, uh, it's. <laughs> I mean, creeping Sharia, right? Dude. You know what I mean? I'm the, these are all like chaos is a destabilizing tactic. Yeah. The key to sustaining a corrupt system is making it so that it's impossible to hold anybody accountable because yeah. everybody's involved. Right. Yeah. And I think this is where, that's why I think this is such a serious moment, too, is like. You're, we're seeing how there's no, this is a fully like a chicken without its head on fire with a bunch of <laughs> knives and like auto turrets taped to its back. Right. Like it's a dangerous situation. On a hot wheel. Yeah, on a hot <laughs> wheel. Exactly. Uh, but like, where do we, Where is there going to be some kind of thing to answer to at this mm. point? Or are we fully. This, this is how you create government collapse. Yeah, right. Yeah. I'm just saying. Right. And then we just need some plant from what other country to be like, hey, y'all want to astroturf for this person? And this is what over. happens. You become so fed up, you're begging for foreign intervention. Right, right, right. Mm. Sound familiar? Can you imagine? We're like, dude, please, Putin. Yeah. <laughs> so sorry for what I said about you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I think your chest is really well sculpted. Oh, that was wrong yeah, of me to like come at you because you know your age and stuff like that. Do so. you guys think he's bionic yet? Putin? Yeah. Like, do you think he's uploaded his consciousness or something? Whatever it is that they can do. Because, you know, they only tell us about the technology that, like, we're allowed to know about, right? Yeah, yeah. Russia. So particular. there's, like, shit yeah. we don't even know about that they can do. Right. And, like, they already have the, like, scientific information to make people live to, like, 130 now. Pour a, I, I don't know. I guess the one thing, pour a bunch of water on them. <laughs> see what happens. 
who yeah. shorts out. I do yeah. wonder if Trump, like, because if if they do have access to life prolonging technology, I wonder if that's Trump's why Trump it. hasn't died yet. Because <laughs> maybe that's the diapers holding his organs in. Right, right. No, that's not a diaper. See, that's where you got it wrong. Oh, what is that? It? Is a life preserving underwear that he wears, <laughs> right. that wired with all kinds of technology that circulates his blood. Oh. Right, like gives him cell therapy. I was hoping it was just a pouch full of candy corn. <laughs> so just dip in. Just dip in there. And num Would num, you num. dip in there? Mm. I wonder what this one would taste like. Gonna taste the, that... like Diet Coke sweats. Butterscotch. <laughs> Something. That's why he's that color is because he's just coated in butter, <laughs> butterscotch flavoring. Well, it's because his, under, his underwear is filled <gasps> with candy corn. It's just seeping into his skin. Mm. And he's God. like, I got to really, I should probably take some of these out. I don't know if we're safe having figured it out. Yeah. No, we're all going down. People oh, will know when they're listening to this episode when something was like, <laughs> Humana health insurance ad starts playing. <laughs> uh, I really, I honestly had that thought when I thought I, uh, Still believe I figured out the JFK assassination. I was like, they're gonna come for me, dog. What do you think happened? Isn't that so cool to think so highly yeah, of yourself? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, once I publish this podcast, I'm done. On <laughs> on Howl, Earwolf's like hidden network. <laughs> like right. it got listened to by like two hundred people. Damn, I'm uh, so powerful. <laughs> I'm gonna make that oh, my ringtone. <laughs> so powerful. It's a hell of a drug. <laughs> Uh, I get right. like that too, where I think like my webcam. There are people always watching me through always. my webcam, my laptop. I'll right. like pick my nose, and then I'll be like, "Yeah," because I'm meant to do that. Look at my pot, like in <laughs> right. my laptop. I'm like, right. "Who do I think this is?" And I am. This is where I get resentful because I feel like for the amount of surveillance that's on me, they could give me some career advice. Right. <laughs> yeah, just to be like, you know, we there's a little bit more efficient ways to use your time based on the hours of surveillance we've, right. you know. Zara, we just feel like this decision you're about to make, you're entering into just like one more pilot kind of program. Yeah, exactly. You do this often. It's like, are you just kicking the can down the road? You know, like what's, what do you really want to do? What's going on with your book? Love the NSA. <laughs> what Signed <chapter>? NSA. <laughs> Signed NSA. Finish your memoir, Zara. Signed, Signed NSA. NSA. Wow, thank you so much. Zara, it has been a pleasure having you on the Daily Zeitgeist. Always a pleasure to be here. Where can people find you? No, I'm serious. This you? is the most fun I have when I leave here. It's going to be hard. Well, <laughs> oh, God. Well, you know, we'll we'll get some candy corn. Yeah. Thanks. And a and a T Rex arm to gnaw on. Yeah. Please. Yeah. Please do find me. <laughs> we will hope. ZaraComedian.com. Z A H R A. If you don't type in the H, you can't find me. And where I am alone. It's not fun. <laughs> ZaraComedian.com. And is there a tweet you've been enjoying? Yes. All of the ones oh. about the blackouts, actually. About the blackouts? What, the P- PG&E ones? Yeah. What, which, are there new ones? Yeah. I mean, well, because it continues to happen in the Bay Area, so I've been right. paying attention to those. I mean, my family's in the Bay Area. Right, right, right. So, Has it affected your family? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I mean it's pretty bad up there. Yeah, they don't have power in the like lights powering the grid in the streets. Yeah, but then they'd have to like invest money into like their faulty like transmission towers. And I know, things like and then that. you have to take it away from the people with billions who are actually yeah. holding on to tax dollars. Yeah, and, like, it's so complicated. But like that should really fall on us, the working people. I know, like we need to get it together. I'm so sorry, PG&E. Actually, that's I, that's my take right now. I'm going to send them candy corn from my butt. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, we love it.
<laughs> Damn it. What'd you put in here? <laughs> Damn it, I forgot my ass is delicious. Oh, <laughs> uh, what Miles, up? where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Miles of Gray. Um, also, new podcast alert, a new show coming out called 420 Day Fiance. Uh, myself and Sophia Alexandra. Uh, you know, it's it's an elevated discussion, as we say, of our favorite trash reality show, 90 Day Fiance, uh, if that wasn't clear enough in the very clever title already. So check that out. Trailer's out. Uh, and uh, the show will be coming out actually very soon. Um, tweet that I like comes from uh, Alex Lee at Alex underscore C underscore Lee. Someone younger than me reminding me of the year they were born. Rude, disrespectful, not funny at all. Me doing it to someone older than me, cute, precocious. I'm a widow baby. <laughs> <laughs> baby voices. I'm a widow are baby. The best. Um, <laughs> Side note: I love Sophia. Tell her I said hi. Oh, you do? Yeah, I will. Oh, you do? You love her? Yeah. Why do you marry? Wait, are you starting a podcast with her too? The <laughs> fuck! You just like trying to. Fuck when do you podcast marry her? I mean, you just. Like you have really good partners, Miles. Yeah, but I just don't know. I just don't know how to keep them. All right, I got two Disney Plus tweets oh, that wow. I've been enjoying because I'm Plus. three days late <laughs> on that shit. Uh, Josh Gondelman tweeted, "I accidentally signed up for Disney Minus, and it's just <laughs> the scenes where animated characters watch their parents die." Uh, <laughs> frowny face, and then Disney uh, Minus. Uh, average Joe at Jazz in My Pants tweeted, I don't know who needs to hear this, but you don't love Disney. You just haven't been happy since you were 11. Oh, boy. Ooh. Ooh. That's, that's too much truth. That's true. That's too much truth in a tweet. You can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien or not, whatever. Wow. <laughs> he just realized 11, huh? 11 years old. Those were the days, man. It's been 28 years. It's been. It's been 28 <laughs> years since I smiled. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, mm-hmm. where we post our episodes and our footnotes, where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as the song we ride out on Miles. Was that going to be? This is a track from Binky. Binky. Uh, and it's the track is called Hey BB. H E Y B B. One word, exclamation point. And you know what? The vibe is kind of like Hey BB. Uh, and because it's Friday, you know, we're going into the weekend, this actually has a good little, it's like an uplifting song. I mean, uh, maybe I I haven't really listened to the lyrics close enough. It might not be uplifting. Instrumentally speaking, mm. very great. Okay. We'll get your shoulders moving. The honey will return to your hips. Ooh. Your toe will jump up through and shoot up through your big toe or in your boot. Your okay. big toe jump up through Wait, your Wait, the bones will shoot up through the Depends, man. Depends on Depends on, uh, you know, what your toe looks like. Okay. Can't guarantee that your 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 the integrity of your toe will remain intact, but I will say it will shoot up in your in your Because I heard my dog only likes to lick my feet because he's trying to get to my bones. Get to your bones. Yeah. Uh, and for anybody who knows if that is just something a lie, I'm sure it is. Just let me know because I, I I'm going to a dinner party later and I want to make I want to know <laughs> I, if this is true or not. Hey, nice to meet you. So did so, you know? Uh, hey, cute cat. You know they lick your face to know where your bones are, right? <laughs> that is such a anyway. 
such a wild statement. But also, hey, congrats on your child being born. <laughs> the Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. Did you know that, Miles? Oh, yeah, I knew that. So, guys, for tatted. more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That's going to do it for this week. Another one in the books. Another one. Woo! Another one. Uh, check in with us later this afternoon for, right. hey, you know, little little mini zite. Yeah. Uh, but in the meantime, that's going to do it for this week. We will be back on Monday with more podcasts. We'll talk to you then. Bye. Bye. Hey, baby. <laughs> <laughs>